This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. everybody out there in comic book land my name is george serrano aka the don and if you're listening to this you could only be here for one reason it's a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comic book click and as always i'm never alone sir please introduce yourself how's it going everybody it's been a while yogi here yogi is here in studio and it's it has been a while it it reminds me of a, of an earlier time of a of a better time of the major issues podcast where we were covering such dark and gloomy materials such dark and gritty reboots making one billion dollars. Do you remember what a simpler time back in those days when people cared about truth and justice in the American way? Like the the major the major issues, the Silver Age. Yes, you know when things were just felt <laughs> when, when they just felt were, like uh, easier, wholesome. When things were easier and wholesome. Uh, which is fitting because we're going to be covering a story that's all about that. Covering Kingdom Come, written by Mark Wade with art by Alex Ross. And man, what a story. When you talk about a quintessential uh, graphic novel, especially something coming from DC that just is so unapologetically DC from top to bottom. Um, before we get into the actual it's... story. Oh, uh, go ahead, brother. Oh no! I'm sorry. I feel like um, I feel like I was interrupting. I was really just gonna talk about. I was gonna just gush over Kingdom Come. Like it's one of the. Yeah. It's pretty much one of, and in some people's eyes, like the greatest uh, DC story. Like it's definitely up there, uh, especially in the time that it came out. It would. Def- I can understand why someone would see it as like their favorite story ever or the best of all time. If in their eyes, I, I could totally understand that. Can you remember the first time you read this story? Yeah, uh, first time I read Kingdom Come, uh, I want to say it was very early on in my comic reading because one of the things I did in the beginning of uh, my getting into the hobby was I looked up all the greatest stories. You know, I just want to start with the best of the best. I want to work my way down. So Kingdom Come is one of those books that always comes up on every single list, no matter what, alongside things like Watchmen and stuff, you know? So that um, when I had read it, I you know the I read trade paperback so it always has these uh they they later editions of these books would sometimes have forewords written by possibly the person who wrote it or someone who was involved in the process so yeah. I did not really have a full context but reading the foreword Mark Wade kind of explains the state of comic books in the nineties and how dark and gritty and extreme quote unquote things have become and how Kingdom Come was meant to be a bit of a metaphorical tale um so i I went into it pretty like uh, i I went into it pretty well informed even though it was early on in my comic reading so i was able to enjoy it the way it was supposed to be enjoyed 
I feel like I tackled it the same way. It it came up as almost essential reading if you're gonna uh, talk about like the greatest graphic novels in in any camp. Um, it, it it always comes up, and especially that Alex Ross artwork, amazing. You know, um, he had just came right off the heels of making Marvels um, over at Marvel, and uh, this was his basic f- follow up, doing cool. it for DC. And like you said, it's basically a story about. Um, older Silver Age uh, heroes and how they're dealing with the new age of comic book fan and uh, hero. And I guess I also wanted to ask you, how? why do you think it works? Why do you think it doesn't come off as preachy? Why do you think it doesn't come off? Because nowadays when people say things like, you know, well, there were simpler times then or, you know, society has grow- uh, gone too violent. Uh, people feel like that they're being talked to. Uh, or sorry, talked at instead of talked to. Where I feel like this book does resonate in 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 the morals that it's trying to set. Well, w- things usually feel preachy when they're being spoken at you, and it's unnecessary. You know, okay. this person's telling me this thing; it's unnecessary. I don't need to hear this. But Kingdom Come came at a time where people needed to hear what it was saying and where even some fans might have already felt that way i think a lot of fans already felt that way so the story really resonated with them and it's not the first time well it 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 wouldn't be the last time that uh comic books would do a metaphorical story about how things had gotten too dark and they needed to be changed um i think that's one of the sadder things when I think about Kingdom Come and its lasting impact, there's like so many people uh, love the story. They read it. They they loved it. So many people that are writing today, um, it, they're young. So this story was like one of the seminal things in their uh, upbringing in comics, so to speak. But there's some, some some of them are not taking the proper morals from the story and putting it in their. They're, they're taking the wrong. Uh, the wrong aspect of the story, like uh, Mark Wade calls it a cautionary tale. Some things are not supposed to be uh, redone for the sake of it was in Kingdom Come, you know, like Lois was yes, dead in Kingdom it, Come, right. but that was not something that you would want in the main canon. Right. You know, that was something that example of how dark things have become. And you've gone and uh, interpreted the, interpreted it the wrong way. It, it, it's sad because you've seen it with uh, Kingdom Come. You saw it with, uh, they tried it again in 2006 with Infinite Crisis. It was the same metaphorical story. Yeah, uh, things have gone yeah. too dark. And then again in 2016 <laughs> with Rebirth yeah. and Dr. Manhattan, things have gotten too dark. They need to lighten up. Um, I just kind of wonder at what point are we going to take <laughs> are we gonna get this get lesson? <laughs> <laughs> I guess only when the Spectre himself shows up, huh? Yeah, exactly. Man. Um, yeah, because like you're saying, you know, this Kingdom Come deals with a the far-flung future. I think it was actually 2020 it was supposed to be uh, dealing with at the time. And I don't see any of the character progressions as extremes more than I see them as eventualities. Like where we see Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman given the things that have happened to them. I don't see it like... Uh, like injustice sometimes feels a little bit extreme. Um, yeah, where yeah, people kind of acting that. a little bit more out of emotion than anything else. Um, this feels like, oh yeah, that would totally, yeah, that's where that would go. Um, and like you're right, it's become a thing almost like Watchmen, where it should have stood alone and it should have just been a tale. But 
because of its success, it's it's led to sequels, and I believe the I don't I don't mind the sequels to be I'm fair. Like, they, like well, the first them? one, the first one, Die Kingdom Come. Um, it's sort of a sequel where these are clearly supposed to be the Kingdom Come characters, but they instead of being Elseworld and non-canon, uh, in I want to say Justice Society of America, I think it was Jeff Johns writing. Um, they meet superman from earth 22 and that's kingdom come superman and he has come to this time to prevent magog from happening so that's the eventual future of the current of that universe uh, well, he's trying to, to prevent. And... He was trying to. Pre- he was trying to prevent Magog from happening in this. Uh, in this universe, yeah. Okay. But um, less less a timeline thing, more of an ultimate alternate universe, and trying to prevent uh, this universe from going through similar uh, events. Even getting close. Yeah, and it had Alex Ross on art, and Jeff Johns is always a awesome writer, so that was great. There was another one though, another time I want to say that I did not read. But people do not look kindly on it. <laughs> Isn't it called? I think it's kingdom called the kingdom. The yeah, yeah. kingdom. Yeah, yeah, the kingdom. Yeah, I didn't read that, but I've never been given a reason to either, and I feel like I should leave it that way. Right, right. <laughs> um, I I haven't read this in a while. I it it surprised me how long ago it's been since I read this, um, and I look at it much differently given the time spent since the first time I read it. And um, like you said, again, it really it does truly resonate. But one of the bigger things that I uh, dug about this book is in the same way that Marvels was written, um, it, it positions these heroes as so far like above us. <laughs> Dude, was I the only one who got that like perception? Like this? No, I love. They're, they're I love that. I loved it that they had the uh, the the old dude as our viewpoint so he everything is kind of above us even in the way things were drawn like it's always from above um for well we're looking at it from below and it's coming down from above yeah but um you much like marbles like you said well which is where the viewpoint is very human so we're looking at these people like gods which is uh i always love when that viewpoint is used in comics because really that's how uh, a lot of us see them anyway. I feel that like you know fits more the DC heroes than, or at least like well, the yeah, seven, right? Definitely they're like the paragons of virtue and stuff. It's definitely the DC heroes because they're actual. They actually like are gods among men, whereas Marvel is uh, men. I don't want to say trying to be gods, but it's yeah. basically what it is. It's like almost, <laughs> it's like almost when they try to write a narrative that fits. The, the level of character that are the DC characters, they have to be considered gods. Like like the injustice it has to be like a worldwide story, you know, because they are so so I, big and far reaching. I actually really like that. So yeah, I really like that. Um, though, if you read something like Marvels, it really makes you kind of look at the heroes differently. But no, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I, I guess get back just how to... Ma- it's just how Marvel uh, portrays their heroes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. DC. But yeah, we got. I Nor- guess getting back. Yeah, we got. Um, <laughs> we you you said uh, off air that you were reading some um interviews with Mark Wade, right? About 
this story? Yeah, I was. I definitely was. I I I did not know actually that while my grade wrote this, it was uh, Alex Ross's brainchild. Ah. Uh, Ross Ross was looking for someone uh, who was well versed, quote unquote, in the DC universe, who could uh, so that they can look both towards the past and the future and and do it properly. And Mark Wade was actually not the like super famous Mark Wade that we know today with all these great stories under his belt you know he was still kind of young they took a chance on him and um it worked out pretty well i'd I'd say yeah and you said you said you read this as a trade right yeah i read it as a trade um i'd like to own the the eventual issues um but uh at the moment i just got this old 20 year old trade it's actually falling apart the pages are coming out oh my gosh um yeah it's Like I said, it was one of the books I read early on, so it stuck with me, and uh, it's probably it's pretty. I can't rank it right now, but it's it's very high up there, clearly top ten easily. One of the things that um surprised me, I guess because of current culture, right, is um you know I'm reading this story and I'm taking my notes and I'm doing my research, and uh, how quickly the Joker is dispelled in this in this story. How he's kind of an afterthought, <laughs> considering almost everything I've covered lately. DC has the Joker on it in some way, shape, or form. Um, I found it kind of interesting that that he was the least of our worries in this kind of story. It was a relief. It was a relief. You say it's okay to say it. Yeah, yes, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a relief. Um, but, but yeah, this is this story deals with, like we were saying, um, the the fact that people. At, at least in the mid '90s, we're talking about the Attitude Era. You're talking about Image Comics, Spawn, and pockets and pouches and machine guns and disproportionate bodies. And um, a lot of people were saying that the Silver Age heroes were out of touch, and you know that people can't relate to their values and stuff like that. And the comics started to get more violent, and so this story was about um, those older heroes, it's- the the newer heroes, and um, also mankind right a lot of this story has to deal with mankind's interpretation of what these people are supposed to do mankind's acceptance of this dark and gritty future we willingly walked towards it and that's that's a bit of a commentary on the fans and the fans who willingly bought and ate this uh ultra grim dark extreme 90s fucking 600 pouches Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> you know uh, the that's and it's crazy because like if you look at Magog, he's based on Rob Liefeld like drawings. You so know, what's, like what's funny is yeah, somebody wrote in when I was doing research. Somebody wrote that um, Magog is based off a of cable, but he looks like he's based yeah. off of his brother more. A strife, yeah, like strife. And doesn't strife have a? Doesn't he run the MLF? Yeah, he, yeah, he does, and, right? Uh, you're right. <laughs> and so I was like, right. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> when I saw it, when I swear, when I saw it in the comic, I was like, no, wait a minute. That's that's too on the nose, right? Like, am I, I can't be the only one. But yeah, he looks like Strife, and there's there's a mention of the MLF. Uh, so I was like, wait a minute. All right, screw it. You can get away with it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Well, that was. I mean. 
in the 90s, it was all about, like, style. There was no substance. Like, I can't name many good stories from that era. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and that, uh, so I can completely understand why a book like this would have resonated so hard. And uh, when did it come out? 99? 96. 96? Yeah. It's crazy, 96. right? Yeah. It's crazy if it... It definitely uh, it resonates so hard today. You wouldn't think, but um, yeah, ninety ninety six. If it would have came out in two thousand two, I don't think it would have had the same impact. But um, uh, I wanted to say just today, or I guess yesterday, when you guys are listening to this, uh, Warner uh, Variety put out an article about how uh, the future of DC films, and in the article they called superman irrelevant in today's society and i just thought that was uh that was very first of all it was very uh it was a very simple view of him in reality he's more relevant today than he has been in quite a long time uh immigrant from another freaking world brought here to a place where people are not fully accepting him and and making trying to make his way like it's something that works today so um seeing kingdom come uh again just today being so relevant like in this very moment it's it's uh it's very evident it's it's indicative of its legacy definitely Um, i was looking at magog just like the character design and after doing the reread and he might be even indicative of like you were saying that the quick uh, popcorn nature of, of, of 90s comics of like he's got a cool design and we don't really know what his powers are but he can you know he can shoot a beam from this stick <laughs> like there's not really much to that guy my god there's not yep. really you know they don't give him like a dark backstory they're not like yeah when he you know we found out that he was an ex-cop who you know so and so very one note very one dimensional and i think that was intentional there's a lot of these guys do you have a favorite um edgy uh, like 666 or i like america commando <laughs> there were so many though like it became hard to keep up i was so excited to see these versions of uh the regular dc heroes oh yeah like and uh i guess a lot of the story evoked kind of the silver age earth to imagery yeah that you know it kind of harkens back to uh a brighter time and i I just loved seeing that like you know superman with the grays on the side and uh, wonder women's got the uh 70s-esque outfit and it it was just power girl you know it's like power woman right Uh, i love uh loved it Uh, power woman yes (laughs) excuse me (laughs) Oh man. Oh, I'm hearing myself on that side again. You good? Yeah, I think we'll feel we should be good. I haven't I haven't changed anything. I don't know. It's weird whole... I can hear myself on that side now. Oh fuck. Oh. Have you heard yourself all this time? No. And I can't hear myself now. Can you hear yourself now? Hello, testing, testing. No. Okay. Perfect. Well, uh, where did no, where we, did uh? Oh, we could. We'll, I was just gonna start. 
All right, so three, two, one. So you have this story here um, dealing with, I think, like, not only that we were talking Silver Age and stuff, but this thing has so many Easter eggs. There's so many characters in this. Like, I popped so many times at just the various little roles that everybody has. It's almost like a where are they now kind of situation. Like, anybody um, you know, from the Riddler to Hawkman to um, uh, Scott Free, who's there without his mask, Mister Miracle. Um, I thought it was really cool to see some of those people. Were you surprised? I even after rereading, um, to see where some of those characters ended up in this universe. I think you said it earlier, where um, the way that these characters are just uh, depicted as where they ended up at, um, <clears throat> it doesn't feel too out of place so uh not really with anyone except for maybe uh wally who i kind of felt bad for but um, yeah. everyone else seemed all right bruce bruce pretty much uh became the uh, th- uh, th- uh, dictator-esque ruler of gotham i always thought he could be so uh, <laughs> i was very happy to see that but again i was just i was just enjoying the uh a silver ageness of uh, the way these characters were designed. Yes, yeah, really, really cool. Um, let's get into this story. We the story um, has basically the main protagonist is a man named Norman McKay, and he's an elderly pastor who's the narrator of the story. And um, after his friend Wesley Dodd's death, Norman unwittingly inherits his late friend's kind of precognitive powers and is charged by the Spectre. To decide who's going to bear the guilt of the upcoming apocalypse. Because that's all his friend Wesley was talking about in his deathbed. I forgot it was Wesley Dodds. Yeah, Sandman. Sandman. That That was my first... This was the first story that made me actively go back and research a lot of these characters. Because I wanted to know why they had such vivid histories. Even in the glimpses that Alex Ross gave us. Like, literally, bits of illustration of Wesley Dodds as Sandman was so cool that I was like, oh, I got to go back and check this guy out. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, the story begins with Wesley Dodds speaking to his pastor, Norman, like I said. um, And he's reading from the book of Revelations in the Bible. And Dodds has begun seeing visions related to the book and is telling Norman about um, all about them. He dies before he can explain them, but while walking... Sometime after the funeral, Norman reflects on all the current, uh, on Dodd's life, sorry. Dodd had once been the Sandman, and during his later life, Dodd had been worried about the world's current superheroes, who lacked the morals of all their predecessors. As Norman reflects on this, a fight between some of the modern uh, heroes and current, a fight between some of the modern heroes, and Norman hopes that mankind can outlast these heroes. Um... Yeah, he goes to basically do one of his sermons, and that's another thing that they say that people are not even into that anymore. Like his his followers are not into his sermons. Um, people are just not buying hope, it seems. Uh, but while all this is going on, even while Norman is losing faith and and hope, the Spectre shows up, and he's like, "Well, I'm supposed to use Dodds as my host, my one anchor, my uh, you know, my bodily corporal form anchor." onto this earth but i'm gonna end up using you so that you can witness the upcoming events of the apocalypse um 
so they go to a farm in Kansas. This is our first, I guess, spotting of somebody that we might recognize when we see Kingdom Come Superman in this weird holographic uh, farm. So what do you think about this whole, like, I guess, danger room Superman scenario where he's just in this kind of fake farm scenario? Well, it's kind of sad seeing uh, Superman in the state that he's in, um, no, knowing the reason that he's the way that he is having on this reread before I was preparing for this podcast, uh, it kind of makes it even sadder because uh, knowing that he lost his lowest, you know, yeah. uh, I would hate to have being a married man. Every time I read a story where Superman loses Lois, I can always, regardless of how many times it's happened, it always hurts a little bit, you know, yes. but, um, Great stuff. That first issue, great stuff, is showing the uh, the kind of moments leading up to the disaster in uh, at the Daily Planet or in Kansas. Uh, great Marvel esque. I, I don't know what else to call it because Marvels was really the first story I'd read where uh, we got that, where the told from the viewpoint of a human, where things just kind of happen around them and the heroes aren't the focal point. That's what we got in this first issue. Those first few pages. Uh, where the pastor is kind of walking through the streets and uh, the I guess we're setting up the fact that the world is dark and the heroes nowadays don't care about human collateral. But yeah. um, And Superman is yeah, very much issue. shown as he's very much shown as the beacon of that. I feel like that's the reason why he's the first one we go to, right? It's like if this guy's not doing good, then you know the world's not good, not doing good in a kind of way. No, absolutely. That, uh, that's uh He's the he is the beacon, as you said. For well, it's funny because we've as has been portrayed in comics very recently, and maybe even as far back as twenty years. Superman is absolutely the center of the DC universe. Uh, everything revolves around him. So, uh, as you just said, seeing him in this state is kind of really, really indicative of where the entire DC universe is right now. So, where are you a fan? Where do you fall on the Grays for Soups? Oh, I love the love Grays. The Grays, the Gray look on Superman is like one of my favorites because first of all, it gives him this uh, distinguished, distinguished look about him. He is, yeah. he he is very much the first superhero. He is the. Uh, the reason for uh, DC Comics and even freaking a lot of Marvel. So it's like when you see him with the grays, it kind of gives you this. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just this air of uh, yeah, like just maturity, uh, uh, mature, wise. It's just older. I've seen it all, Superman. Because that's kind of how yeah. I see him. Really, yeah. That's kind of how I see Superman. That Earth two. I've done it all. I've seen it all. I'm there. Look, like that's that's kind of the way he looks in my mind, regardless of how much he gets rebooted or whatever the case may be. I also want to say I love the ponytail. Oh it's yeah, stuff. yeah. When they show him later in the when the flashback, he's got the ponytail in the first issue. He's got the, oh yeah, uh, he's the on the farm. Issue. Okay, yeah, because I know he, I know in the flashback going, they showed it. They showed yeah, it as well. He had the little ponytail. I was like, all right, Clark. I don't know if that, that's a Kansas look or a Metropolis look, you know? But. That's his depression pony. <laughs> oh, my God. That is funny, though. 
Um, what do you think about Wonder Woman coming out and trying to convince him to get out of retirement, like of all people? Uh, and what do you think about her uh, portrayal or her char- characterization in this? I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I guess not cool, but I thought it was um, interesting to see her out, you know, kind of kicked out of of Demascara by her family, by her by her people, and then having to go on this almost um, laser focused vision of redemption. Uh, of to prove herself like, worthy of of saving mankind, I guess, because that was what always were was her task. I liked seeing uh, that one of the heroes did not. Well, well, Superman was basically the only one who removed himself, and seeing the other heroes having to, I guess, adapt to the ways of the world now uh, was interesting. Again, e. e- you can't really take these as canon, so I didn't. Re- I wouldn't have had a problem if they had done anything really extreme, but right. I felt this was appropriate for Wonder Woman. I also liked the design. She's kind of not. Ha- she doesn't have a a dress. It's kind of a a cloth over her butt so that you don't see the crack. I guess. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's but um, it looks great way. as always. Um, Alex Ross art, uh, gorgeous. We find out that um, there was this big battle with Magog battling Parasite, and Parasite pulls apart Captain Adam, causing a nuclear uh, explosion that completely destroys Kansas. Um, Later on, when Superman donned his uniform, uh, the yellow behind the S is replaced by black to mourn not only Lois, but uh, those people as well, as well as the morals and the values. Um, And it's something interesting... Um, that you said that I want to expand on. You're right. Superman was basically one of the only ones to have left that wasn't killed. Uh, and he basically goes not into hiding, but at least in seclusion, forges of solitude and all that. Um, and the other heroes then had to adapt to the world as it is. That's exactly what you said. And what I find it's interesting is that DC and, and at least this book thinks so highly of Superman that they feel that the world would have to adapt to him as opposed to vice versa. They would. Isn't that crazy? It's it's less it's less that DC thinks that and more that this is the way things are. Yeah. I've much I've heard writers um probably just Grant Morrison, but I've heard I've often <laughs> heard that these stories are not really like the stories write themselves. Right. You know? Things come to a natural place. You create these characters and you create these situations and stuff. But some, sometimes these stories come to a natural place. After Superman, everything that Superman has done or would have done in any version of history, in any version, in any universe, in any timeline, after everything Superman has done, being the first, being the greatest, being the beacon of hope, being everything to all these people, if... He's been an inspiration to like people that would go on to be inspirations to other people. Like you know, um, the the way that Kingdom Come makes it so that his quitting affected the entire Justice League and yeah. the way they viewed their missions. I think that's perfect because that's the way it would work. I can't imagine how shaken someone like Batman would be to see Clark give up his fucking mission of justice. Yeah, you know, like it's just, and it also it also it affirms be, a lot of it, people, it would, right? Yeah. It would it would affirm a lot of people's fears 
It's like, oh yeah, see, I knew it, I knew he wasn't Absolutely. that great. I knew he wasn't that good. I knew I knew it wasn't worth following that guy. Um, people already had their doubts when the alien, you know, showed himself in the first place, and now that he's gone, it's like, okay, see, I, I knew it. I knew he didn't care. And it, like you said, you know, some of those heroes still remain. You got the Flash still patrolling Keystone City, like at all times, like constantly running. Uh, um, Wally right. West. Um, and he's also taking on Jay Garrick's kind of appearance. Were you surprised by that? Well, he's wore the he's got the helmet on at least. Yeah. But um, he's basically pure, almost pure Speed Force. Yes. Uh, I don't think you ever see him still. He's like. I kind of, I kind of thought it was interesting to see like Hawkman be this. Uh, I guess. <laughs> he just looks like a totem pole. But, yeah, um, he's like a vigilante, I, I right? He's like a vigilante, like, like dealing with like eco terrorism and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, like nature's protector. Or yeah, whatever it was that he was. Um, what do you think about Green Lantern and uh, his uh, yeah his uh, uh, city in the sky or whatever his his castle? First, I want to say the design is gorgeous. It it's is. like something out of the out of the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, or it is, honestly. Um, the Emerald City. Right. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Um. Oh well, he called it an Emerald City. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. <laughs> I feel like a gorgeous Themyscira, uh, Atlantis. Yeah, Aquaman <laughs> is not it's with straight. anything, right? Aquaman's all like. I'm king of the ocean, like that's 75% of the rest of the world. Like you're literally only worrying about 25% of this of this blue ball that we're on. The rest of it, I'm going to handle. <laughs> so yeah, I handle your stuff up there. Supergirl girl straight up. Supergirl straight up bounced to yeah. the 31st century. <laughs> I am out of here. <laughs> well, be with the Legion. That, that must seem so petty to somebody like Arthur, right? Like if you're literally dealing with seventy five percent of the planet, and somebody's arguing over the yeah, <laughs> you like what? Are I you can just doing imagine. That? It's like I, I, you guys are going to war over this rock that is like two percent of what I am king of. It's petty. It's small. <laughs> Your people, humans are petty and small. Um, but. I, th- I think when we saw Superman, when we saw Wonder Woman, you know, even though it was cool to see Flash and Hawkman and, and, and Spectre and all these other people, I think people really wanted to find out about Batman. And uh, we do. We see Gotham City being patrolled by bat robots. And um, we're taken to the Batcave where we see Batman now um, only being able to, you know, be mobile by the use of an exoskeleton due to all his years of crime fighting and injuries and stuff, um, and he seems to have full control over his city, um, you know, I guess, uh, depending on how you see it in a good or a bad way. What do you think about Batman's, um, surveillance of Gotham? It's very Bruce Wayne, a very, um, appropriate for him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can definitely see Bruce doing that. <laughs> I like no issues with that. Now I liked um I like his conversation with Superman where um Superman's like, Oh, you know, this isn't freedom and stuff and we this conversation gets had all the time 
And uh, I think that's why I say that these things are eventualities and not extremes. I don't think that tomorrow Batman builds these machines and they, um, you know, they patrol Gotham. I think he probably bought, built one, you know, was working it out, set up one camera here. And then little by little, as things started to work, it got to this point. But now you're at this point where a mugger, you know, runs with a purse and he's, you know, three bat robots show up and, you know, uh, subdue him. And he basically did almost do something like that in main continuity with Brother Eye, where yeah. he created Brother Eye and it ended up going uh, pretty, pretty crazy, though. <laughs> that didn't work. Yeah, that but, was not that was not too long <laughs> after here, and you find out also that um, they destroyed that they destroyed Wayne Manor. All he has is the cave. Uh, Two Face and Bane destroyed Wayne Manor, and also um, like all of the prisons were destroyed: Bell Reeve, Blackgate, and Arkham. Yeah, I want to say I want to say everyone who was in Arkham at the time. Um, was killed? Is that what it was? I think it was a combination Arkham of killed. Asylum. I think it was a combination of killed and freed. Like those who were, those who survived were free, and those who didn't obviously were killed. And so, um, yeah. So not only is there, not only you know is there no way in manner, but um, none of the places that they used to hold the criminals are standing, and. Um, whatever criminals were able to survive those uh, massacres are roaming the streets. Although we don't see many of his villains besides um, Nigma and Selina Kyle. Because Joker is dead because of Magog. Yeah, I don't think we had time to focus. I don't think we had time to really focus on the uh, that rogue gallery, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I also like that Batman is no slouch, and he's like kind of creating his own sort of team of street heroes, uh, where he has like Ted Cord and Ollie Queen and uh, Black Canary, which I thought was really really cool. Um, I, I, I it's cool to see him have his own little contingent of people, right? Because with the Wonder Woman thing with Clark, like she un she was so unquestionably on his side with that. That I like to see that when Batman doesn't necessarily agree with Superman, that he has his homies too. I think I, 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 again, this is so very Bruce Wayne that I was not surprised or 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 uh, or even <laughs> I want to say not impressed, but I kind of just kind of felt like run of the mill Batman. Like I just kind of took it as it was and can, and kept it moving. It was hard for me to focus on one character here um when reading kingdom yeah. come if only because um i guess when you're reading this you're supposed to be kind of looking at it from uh all seeing side sort of thing because you're being taken on like a journey yeah or or whatever the case may be or whatever the specter would call it yes um we see that there is, they're having a, there's some modern superheroes and villains having a shootout on a suspension bridge, and um, one of the trams cable is cut, uh, endangering a bunch of innocent civilians. But Superman is able to show up just in time and save the day. And you got that beautiful hero shot 
of Superman. Uh, I think he apprehended two criminals, and he's coming down. Uh, yeah, he had this weird jester-esque guy in his hand. It's a pretty famous image, um, that one page that spread. Um, yes. I thought it was really... It was really fa- I know that they only have four issues to get the story done, but I was just like, he didn't take much convincing to come back, <laughs> right? Every, to yes. Come back out of retirement, and it when only ever seems like hey, yeah, uh, it only ever seems to be current events, which are current events, like they're going on right now, Clark. Like you could have always turned on a TV and been disturbed by what you see. They've been going on; it's been going on this whole time. You're like, it just goes <laughs> to show you how shut <laughs> off he was to everything. Exactly. All she did was come and turn off the light, and he's like, "Oh, oh, oh shit. <laughs> wait a minute! <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy out there." <laughs> I don't want to live in a world no in, in any future without crypto. All right, I don't know where he was in the story. Maybe in Kingdom Come, he you know he has his own planet. That's all I'm gonna think. There's a planet of of happy Kryptonian dogs somewhere. That's my continuity. That's what's going on. There. Oh. Oh, I hope you do do tell yourself that because more like more more likely he was uh, caught in the blast. Oh my gosh! Oh no, poor Kansas, <laughs> poor Kansas. Um, we get we get some more. So this starts happening, right? So now, throughout this story, um, we see more and more of Superman showing up and you know getting in the way when these modern heroes seem to not care about the loss of life. That happens like when America Mando's doing the stuff on the Statue of Liberty. Um, Superman shows up with a bunch of his homies. Now he has like Wonder Woman and Red Robin, who's Dick Grayson. That's another thing I forgot. I completely thought that the Red Robin in the story was Tim Drake for some reason, and I remember the outfit and I remember it. Um, it being I thought one of the earliest instances of it, but I think you confirmed it is the earliest instance of this Red Robin moniker, right? Yep, it's the earliest instance, instance of the costume, of the name, um, everything Red Robin came from Kingdom Come, which it's kind of like, and it's crazy, crazy because Alex Ross' works have this effect. Uh, Kingdom Come, Earth X, were both similar stories. You, um, have you, you, uh, you have you read Earth X? I have not. If read you Earth do, X. do if you have, if you haven't, kind of. Think of it as Marvel's Kingdom Come. Okay. It's, uh, they're very, very similar in that they tell the stories of a future where things have been taken too far and then heroes of old have to come back and take things back the way they were. But my point is that a lot of both of these stories ended up being used within the real canon in the future. So... Uh, I don't. I I, I want to say that goes to speak for the impact that these stories have had, where the future uh, uh, people writers come along and want to make these things from their childhood into canon, because yeah. this technically is the future that they were speaking of back then. The future we never supposed to get to. So because we never want to get to. <laughs> so Red Red Robin was an example of this, where it was like that's a great idea. I'm going to use this. <laughs> um, and so Superman in this, and this is like, this is my favorite part of the Superman character, honestly. Like, this is the part that I think Kingdom Come gets right, which is the matter-of-fact nature of him. 
like once he decides that he's going to get back into this, right? And once he decides that he's going to start dealing with these rogue heroes, he's at work. Like the gloves are on. He's going, he's dealing with them. He's going to talk to the UN. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> so that basically means that I'm dealing with all these people. So you're either going to, you know, fall in line with me or you're going to fall by me. And that's what's going to happen. Um, matter of fact, it doesn't make really much apologies by it. Um, and they allude to this later on as a, as a, um, as a misstep, right? Because instead of trying to, um, govern within the, within humanity, within mankind, he's kind of doing it above us. Yeah. And I guess it is a bit of a misstep. If you think about the general nature of humankind and how untrustworthy they are, kind of uh, the problem with authority that we have you know yeah. um when the alien comes back after 10 years of letting us to our own uh, devices and decides that he wants to take over it's kind of scary <laughs> and that's also He's, weird uh, right because like, what is he gonna do? like you were saying you know good or bad <laughs> um we were left to our own devices whether that's good or bad that's a that's a personal choice but at least you had the choice now we're all going to sure? be kind of forced to be good, which is, I guess, all right. <laughs> um, what I find interesting, though, is that, you know, right as Superman is ready to rile up and he's given this kind of ultimatum to the, all the superheroes of the world, like step in your line or, you know, you're going to get stepped to by me and my new Justice League of, of heroes. Um, you have Luther. Lex Luther is also... He also has like kind of a cabal, a team of like retired villains that call themselves the Mankind Liberation Front, not to be confused with the Mutant Liberation Front. Um, and he intends to use them to battle Superman's Justice League in case he ever needs to, or even the rogue superhumans uh, themselves to their own. Um, but the big reveal in book two is that Luther has an uh, ace up his sleeve which is a mind-controlled Billy Batson. Um, being, um, that was so screw. That was so disturbing. It was. It, it honestly was, especially when you consider. Yeah, this is old adult Billy Batson with these worms. They show literally these like um, mind-controlled worms that they're they're sticking in his ear, um, and they they have him so subservient. This this god, right? Seven or six gods and a king. I think he has the powers of. And um, he's, yeah, sh he's shaving Lex yeah. Luthor. That is, again, disturbing, weird, and not one of my favorite things, especially the, uh, the uh, bugs in the air that yes. we'll get to. <laughs> but it was so weird to see him as a butler, as a servant. You know, he's, he's serving uh, Lex Luthor here, um, which I thought was crazy. Um there's this scene where Superman shows up like at a bar. Like there's like this, yeah. this, this superhero bar where everybody's going crazy and Superman shows up, basically destroys all their booze. And it's like, listen, y'all going to listen or y'all going to join or basically y'all going to be the enemy. Um, so we see that this, this attitude he has is not only towards the civilians, you know, or, or uh, the villains, but also, you know, anyone who doesn't, step in line because like you said again there are also veteran heroes 
who have chosen to color outside the lines because everybody else is. So this is a message to everyone. Everyone's on notice. Everyone's, you know, going to get the the ultimatum, basically. Uh, I, I like the, the conversation that Bruce and Clark, or I guess, don't call me Clark, yeah. had in the Batcave. <laughs> Bruce is like, well, well, you finally came out of your freaking uh, hiding, hidey hole. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, don't come out here telling me what to do. <laughs> you know? No, for real. Don't and, even look this way. Let me do my thing. And that's the thing, you know, like Batman is definitely going to have that mentality or definitely going to have that outlook on things. He's like, I never left my perch. I never left my perch and I am a bag of bones and, and blood. Yep. You know, like yeah. holding uh, myself <laughs> up with sticks. Right, right. And you, you're impenetrable. And yet you, you, you know, you kind of gave up and it's true. Like I, it's right there on the page. Um, and it's things, but again, they also don't feel like extremes. They feel like if these things would happen, this is what they would say. And, um, we, I feel like as you read it, Batman's supposed to kind of come off as stubborn, but if I mean, look at the whole, always does. Yeah. But if you look at the whole scope of it. Maybe everybody else was way too eager, right? Like people were totally too down when Superman showed up. They're like, they're like, you know, like whatever you say, boss. Maybe, maybe there's supposed to be some kind of middle ground here, because we see the complete distrust of the superheroes and stuff when it comes to Luther and his uh, mankind liberation front, and then you have Superman's Justice League. I feel like Batman's supposed to represent the middle of that, the ones that's supposed to um, kind of relegate the gods. But also realize that they are better slightly than men to, to to make the decisions that they're supposed to. I feel like the the four the four people in the in the Batcave, I guess, uh, Bruce, Dinah, Oliver, and uh, Ted are, are are pretty much the four characters who would do exactly what you're saying. These are the people who would have to uh, kind of watch the guy the the who. Uh, Quiz Christos Christodes. I forgot how to say it. It's basically who watches the Watchmen, oh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that type of thing. So, <laughs> no, that makes sense. The uh, Urban Warriors, I think they call themselves, but still, I mean, maybe missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> the Urban The Urban Warriors. I like that. I like that. Um. So, we also get this whole um. I guess I wouldn't say backstory, but um, we we see Superman do his recruiting. You know, like you said, we, we goes to stop by, talk to Batman, and Batman's all like, nah, you know, not with it. Um, he goes with uh, Wonder Woman to talk to Aquaman, and Aquaman's like, nope. Um, he talks to Orion. Um, Orion's been through his share of stuff. And uh, he goes to talk to Mr. Miracle. Eventually, they find Magog just like walking around with a house. Like he's just, he has, he's like carrying a house and he's walking around and he seems to be completely shaken and stunned and traumatized by the events of uh, Kansas. Um, he says he's haunted by the millions of voices going on here. How do you feel about this, this take on this character being so remorseful and defiant to Superman? What were we talking about? Magog. Magog. Oh, no. Oh, well, Magog. Yeah. I mean, 
the point of the story is that Magog at his core, as much as a douchebag as he was, was a, a still a hero. You know, he would have still been someone who looked up to Superman growing up as much as their ideals ended up making them go separate into yeah. separate paths. But um, I can, I can, that was very easy to accept. It made sense. I dug, um, I dug the beginning of the story. And you, this is kind of something that you've seen a lot, right? Where it's like one hero, and it's usually the Joker too. Like one hero finally kills one one renegade hero finally kills a villain that has been plaguing mankind for way too long, and everyone starts to say, "Oh wow, why why haven't we done that a long time ago? Like we should have been gotten rid of you know so and so or whatever." And um, yeah, basically they kind of get at Superman for his inability to stop threats like the Joker because Magog's able to kill the Joker, uh, who was um, killing the Daily Planet staff, and also killed Lois Lane. Um, I wonder if that had anything to do with Injustice at all. Gods Among Us, Joker kills Lois. I'm Superman sure. Gets his, you know. I'm sure the idea that Superman goes crazy when he loses Lois is not one that, uh, to, it's not a, one that was exclusive to one person. I was about to say that probably was on but issue, issue four, right? Issue four of Action involved. Comics was, was him flipping out because Lois Lane. Well, issue one of Action Comics... <laughs> Him throwing that car against that rock is him flipping out because of Lois Lane. Well, so <laughs> that's great that you say that because in, in Kingdom Come, there's this beautiful shot where the Spectre is telling uh, the priests about how Batman and Superman used to be uh, the truest representatives of their kind. One, the zenith of human fortitude and ambition. The other, the pinnacle of otherworldly power. And the panel is an Alex Ross portrait version of Action Comics 1. And Detective Comic Twenty Seven. Yes, it's fucking. It is gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. It truly is. Um, you see that uh, Superman brings uh, Magog into court because of him killing the Joker, but the judge and society kind of rules in favor of Magog, and they choose Magog. And not only that, but then Magog challenges Superman to a fight. And it's all like, I can prove that. I, at one point in anger, he says, like, it was supposed to be like a torch passing moment. Is that like some sort of weird quasi narrative on like, like image comics guys never really getting oh, a, 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 a torch passed down to them, them taking it and running with it? That's one way to um, that's one way to look at it. Though I took it more as them trying and failing to replace the more idealistic characters like Superman with edgy '90s versions of themselves, like the uh, Superman Red Blue, or uh, yeah. uh, you know things like that. Asriel, supposed to. That's how I took it, anyway. Yeah, Asriel being the perfect example, actually. Yeah, as bats. Um, I thought it was kind of like, I, I don't know, like tragic, sad that, you know, Superman and, 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 and Magaga having this conversation in this barren wasteland that is Kansas ir- irradiated from the, you know, Captain Adams explosion and Magog basically just like tries to shoot at Superman and it does like nothing. Like, Superman's just there, and Magog just gets to, drops to a knee, 
or drops to his knees and he he's basically done. Like he's just just the sight. Like he he was outlasted by Superman. This is the whole thing, right? Like he came to say, like I'm the new breed of superhero. That guy's old old news. This is the what your guys are supposed to be looking up to. And in his in his defeat, in his moment of uh failure, he's completely crumbled. But there's gotta be something there's gotta be a a good a good um a good trait in understanding that, like a good trait in in recognizing one's faults, but it could also be the guilt of the thousands of voices or the millions of voices he said that were haunting him because of the explosion in Kansas. I feel as though, uh, uh, you see, when it comes to, when it comes to Magog, I kind of have a, I don't want to say a soft spot. I just kind of, uh, um, I don't outright hate him the way that you're, I don't know if you're even supposed to. Uh, I feel like the dude is, uh, he really genuinely thought that his way was the best way. Yes. He was just an asshole about, <laughs> just right. an asshole about the, the just his whole way, the whole way that he is. And it's really, it's really easy to be an asshole when you feel like you're in the right. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, look at this old man, like, who could you, it's like, okay, boomer, but, <laughs> like, and except it's absolutely wrong. <laughs> so, what do you think? What do you think he was right in? Do you think it's this whole sanctity of life uh, conversation that we're constantly going back to when it comes to these heroes? Is it the whole like value of a, of a single life? Uh, a lot of this comic is talking about the innocence lives, innocent lives lost, or the um, the just the plain disregard for for collateral damage and stuff like that. So is the lesson just the value in the individual life? I guess sometimes the uh, sometimes the greater good definitely is more important. Although again, these were like really extreme versions of that idea. But um, uh, I'm trying. I don't want to seem like I'm okay with the death of people as long as others live, but in some cases that well, that I think I think that's exactly is. the line, right? That's exactly the line because you have um, the the famous line from The Watchmen: uh, "Save millions, uh, kill millions to save billions," right? And that's definitely yeah. while that's definitely some people's um, interpretation with how things should be dealt with. Some people say, "Well, we shouldn't." It, we should never kill millions to save billions, which might be idealistic, but it's definitely a, uh, uh, what do you call that? A, a point, a point of view. That's definitely a, a valid stance one could make, and I think that that's the stance that Superman is trying to make. That under no circumstance should anyone die, and that should always be grieved, and that should always be uh, mourned. But we're we're trying to do it with as as least casualties as possible. Um, we're not going to be okay, even if we if fifty people are killed to save fifty million. It's it's still not going to sit well with him. And I think that's one of my most fav- uh, favorite parts about Superman is that, in my opinion, uh, his biggest power is restraint, but his biggest weakness is that he literally can't save everybody all the time. Um, and so I think that that individual life, every single sliver of it's like what do they call that um uh 
shrink. They call it shrink in uh, in retail, right? Like <laughs> like the, the the little bit that gets stolen or the little bit that gets lost or whatever um, of your inventory. It's like he sweats the pennies, the onesies and twosies that die, yeah. that that die because of 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 uh, a hostage situation and stuff like that. And even though he can be credited with saving the mass of humanity as a whole. You, he's not Superman unless he's worrying about those ones and twos. Um, and I think that they're trying to bring that back into the focus of superheroes in general. This whole thing about caring about life as opposed to wanting to do your job 100% efficient because then you get a bunch of robots in the street and thus, you know. Um, <laughs> so basically, book two ends with... Um, Bruce Wayne seemingly making like an alliance with Lex Luthor. I did. I did want to mention there was a uh, that scene on Apocalypse that I really liked. Oh, with Orion? Because, uh, yeah, I just the reveal that it was Orion and then yeah. the hairstyle, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> um, it was absolutely ridiculous, and I loved it. I like I like I like later on. I think it's later on when we see the um, quint- quintessence. They're called. Um, I, I I don't have it on my head. Okay, so it's it's like the it's like all the old immortals. So it's like Shazam, the Phantom Stranger. Um, ah, I'm I'm drawing a blank now. But yeah, it was all those um, like other world. Oh, Ganteth. Ganteth? Am I saying that right? Ganteth, yeah. The, uh, the, uh, Oh, oh, yes. Ganteth, <laughs> it was Ganteth, Highfather, Phantom Stranger, Shazam, and Zeus. Yeah, that is a pretty large pinnacle of magic power. Yes. <laughs> and so... That is the... What do what they call them? What they call them? The Quint... Quintessence? Quintessence. Quintessence. Uh, that's an interesting name. That one didn't did not catch on. No, it did not. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty hard to say. Um, but yeah, so Norman is still having these visions of apocalypse, and now he's seeing Shazam calling down lightning upon himself. Um, and he believes that these are the dreams of, of Armageddon. And so him and Spectre uh, go down to the Kansas wastelands, the same place that Magog and Superman just had this little bit of a spat. And, um, Superman is building a prison called the Gulag. Um, Gulag. It's supposed to be a reformation center, but it's basically a prison for anyone who disobeys, you know, the law, but most, most importantly, Superman's law of like, be a good superhero or go to jail. Um, this was initially, I think, one of Wonder Woman's plans. She had, without telling Clark, um, considered building a prison in Atlantis, underwater, to house all these superhumans. And when they get to Atlantis to talk to Aquaman, she brings it up. And Superman's like, wait a minute, like, when were you going to talk to me about this? And they kind of get into a spat about it. And um, she's like, this is a war. Like, what do you think is going to happen here? Like, you got to make some serious decisions when it comes to war. And so, um, after dealing with Magog, Superman realizes that Wonder Woman is right and that if you're going to start 
making big decisions, you got to go all the way with them. And this is one of them, creating this prison. Where do you sit on the creation of the gulag as it sits? Well, I've always said that they needed a better prison. <laughs> but just in general, just right. just above all things, all other things, we needed better prisons. And I don't think... <laughs> What do you think about um, but, um what do you think yeah. about the holographic so, uh holographic Superman? It's uh, just the uh was it the security system? It yeah, he just like like it. like I'm yeah, like to, um, like every so often he would just pop up and be like you guys are bad <laughs> and you, I hope that you guys are changing to be good. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, the security system. <laughs> yeah, so every so yeah, I mean, that's a great way to just continue rubbing it in the face. <laughs> uh, people were not digging it. Oh, I boy. think they eventually they eventually riot um, in the gulag, but because um, they're they're constantly like the w- the right way to do things is. Um, tell me about this Captain Comet. What was that? What do you know about this Captain Comet? Captain Comet? Yeah. Not too much, personally. This might be one of the only times I have read him. I thought you were uh, talking Captain Carrot. I have much more reading experience. (laughs) (laughs) Funny enough. No, they mentioned Captain um, Comet being like the warden of this prison. And that the prison was built by Scott Free, obviously, you know, world-renowned escape artist, so he would know how to build a prison. But I was wondering where the significance of Captain Comet came from, because he was the only one that was, like, named to have a high position that I didn't really, really necessarily uh, know off the top of my head. I guess, I guess it's, it's interesting. The only... I don't know much about the character, really, but I can see if... Because Kingdom Come is such a metaphorical story. Uh, Captain Comet was created in this weird time in just in between the Golden and Silver Ages. So his stories kind of fall to nowhere. And I feel like that is the reason that he was placed in the warden seat in the prison. But if you ask me to figure out exactly what it means, it'll take me much more time than we have on this podcast. <laughs> no, but I no, I dig I dig even that background. Speaking of that, you know, you're talking about characters that are kind of um misplaced by time. I've also found it interesting that some of the members of um Magog's like version of the Justice League um, are members of the Charleston Comics characters. Um, and, like, you have, like, um, Peacemaker, and I want to say Nightshade is also there. And um, it was interesting because Alan Moore wasn't allowed to use those characters in a negative light. But in this, they're right there, shoulder to shoulder with well, you know, When you doing... read Watchmen and you see where all the characters eventually ended up, had he used the Charlton characters for this stuff, they would have been unusable afterwards. <laughs> well, I think I also think that he probably would have been the first one, first one to reuse them in the DC umbrella. 
and without yeah. re- without defining them for the first time for readers, this would have skewed people forever. I'm pretty sure before Kingdom Come, yep. there was a reintroduction to the Blue Beetle, you know, and um, they were in um, the question. They were in stuff. Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. Yes, they were. No, yeah, you're you're hundred yeah. percent right. Yep. I think I want to say they were introduced. I don't know that that's when they were introduced to DC canon, but uh, them being on their own Earth and all that stuff was definitely something that's been in place since at least the eighties. Again, yeah, as you were saying, yeah, it's he- funny to see them in Kingdom Come, but yeah. I guess they didn't end up unusable afterwards. Right. Um. So. Yeah, we just see a bunch of people in the gulag. They're all pissed off. They don't want to be there. Um, they are looking at Billy Batson being used with Luther. They're doing this kind of weird kind of um, clockwork orange thing with him where they're showing him the atrocities that superheroes commit, right? Yeah. They're yeah. like, look, look at these uh, terrible heroes. Aren't they horrible, Billy? They're horrible people and they're sticking... Like these weird uh, worms created by Doctor Savannah into his ear that are suppressing his ability to turn into Shazam or Captain Marvel, depending on uh, what you know. It was written as Captain Marvel when this uh, book was written, which is also pretty I interesting. Guess what year? Really? <laughs> yes. Um, so you have. Uh, Bruce Wayne talking to Lex Luthor in like a war room where Bruce Wayne reveals his team of of superhumans who are ready to lend their support to the cause. And it's a bunch of them. Like he has uh, Green Lantern's kids, I believe. I had a list somewhere. Yes. Yeah, it looks like Jade. It looks like Jade, which would have been um, Alan Scott's daughter. And then Barry Allen's. Oh, well, or one of Wally's kids. And then you got like Dick and uh, Dick and Dick and Corey's daughter and uh, Red Arrow. So it would be like probably Ali and Dinah's kid. A lot of people's kids. Batman seems That's to it. have a lot of people's kids. And I, I like the line later on. You see um, where Lex Luthor is like, um, well, somebody the the new League of Shadows head, the new head of the League of Assassins sure. is like. But are these young people gonna really want to fight the older generation? And uh, Lex Luthor's like, "What? What son doesn't want to fight their father, or something like that? Like some kind of weird, like what person from the future yeah. doesn't want to fight the past, or something?" And I was like, "Huh, it's all right." A, it's as a, and they're prepared to fight tooth and nail with the generation that sired them, and it's like, are all young people son? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um. But the whole thing that we, but the but the other reveal that we get, um, besides the fact that Bruce Wayne is trying to join Lex Luthor in um, making sure the superhumans don't get too crazy, is that uh, John Jones is on the scene. The Martian Manhunter is on the scene, and Batman's using him to do something that we don't understand quite at this moment, but it will be revealed soon. Um, and we see Martian Manhunter in all his. A uh, noir detective glory um, at the meeting there. I like, I like the little uh, peel, peel, peel the curtain back thing that the Spectre did to uh, show <clears throat> the, the the pasture that it's Martian Manhunter under the under the skies. It's just this weird little artistic choice, artistic uh, 
uh, uh, pronunciation is important. <laughs> yes. Um, I think yeah, definitely. And I they they do that a lot in this. I like I like and I do it a lot in Elseworlds in general, where I feel like everyone is being described and explained in like this poetic kind of way. Like it, like even Boston Brand is like only a oh. dead man would think you know something 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 or he once used to be the Scarlet. Well, I mean more of, so you know. I mean more so just the actual literal peel the curtain back imagery. Oh no, like there's yeah, an actual yeah. image of the specter peeling back a metaphorical curtain and, you and showing you the who's the person yeah. under the skin. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And that's what I'm saying, this weird artistic thing. And What do you think about, let's talk about that for a little bit, the use of Spectre to do this, right? To Because without Spectre as a guy, not necessarily a navigator, in some sense he's a navigator, nar- navigator but uh, in some senses is Norman McKay, narrator, navig- navigator. <laughs> so, uh, but using the Spectre, we can literally pop in and out of any situation that we want, like he's such a cool device to you. He's almost like the he's almost like that. Uh, yeah, I thought that ghost was a great. Of, character. I thought that was a great. The ghost of Christmas past, like how great. he just shows up and takes you yeah, where you gotta go. Christmas past type. Uh, uh, <laughs> I guess just just the person guiding us, the reader, through the story, which is again, which is great, and a story like this one, which is supposed to kind of the entire. Uh, the entire, I guess, DC pathos is the main character. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, boom, boom, boom. We... F- oh, yeah. At one point, randomly, um, Superman is in his, you know, his Emerald Castle with everybody. Um, and Norman McKay, like, materializes inside of the Emerald Castle. And so Superman's like, what the hell are you doing here? Who the hell are you? What the hell are you doing here? And everybody's bugging the hell out. But before anything can go too crazy, we find out that the gulag is basically... He didn't really materialize. Oh, no. Flash saw him, right? Watching. Flash saw him, right? Yeah, Flash Flash... uh, Flash was like... It's funny because if if you look at the art and if you pay attention to the background... There is a moment where we're being narrated to regularly, like has been happening in the whole story. But if you look at Wally, he turns around like, what the fuck? And, <laughs> yeah, and like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's funny. In the next panel, he just yanks Norman out of whatever space in the, in uh, space time he's in. <laughs> it's great. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, what... They basically That's ask him. They basically ask him what's going on, and he can't. He has no answer for them. Uh, he just literally starts to like quote scripture, um, and so uh, they he manages to disappear with Spectre, and um, Wonder Woman sends the Flash, Green Lantern, and Power Woman to deal with the situation, so that uh, her and Superman can speak to the Secretary General of the United Nations about the all the things going on with the Gulag. Um. Lex Luthor is pleased to report. Actually, oh, go ahead, actually, go ahead. really. I was gonna say I really liked how uh, 
in the, well, it was still still in the Emerald Castle, uh, the yes. Green Lanterns, I guess, the new Watchtower. Uh, I, I really like that moment where they're like, listen, Norman, whatever your name is, we've got this under control. There's no Armageddon on <laughs> yes. our calendar. Yes. Like, things are bad, but they're not that bad. Oh, my God! I was about to say, <laughs> I was about to say, literally the next line is, holy God. <laughs> holy God. <laughs> it's the Gulag. <laughs> And it's like, it's like, wow. And like, they just, they all turn around and they just look back at Norman. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Oh my Jeez. God. No, you're hundred percent right. What'd you, what'd you think about um, Wonder Woman and uh, Superman skipping rocks? Uh, outside of the, uh, the Emerald. Oh my goodness. Died. Oh, I hope you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they're out there having a pretty meaningful conversation and doing the, uh, Skipping rocks in space thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun to it was fun to look at. It's something I imagine. Uh, I like seeing superheroes do really small, casual things like that. Yeah, and it, it it serves as a quiet moment for those two characters. And I think that those two characters, I think I honestly I think everyone here is is really well written. Um, it like you said, these are the quiet moments in between, um, and in most cases. In other comics, like if this was a Superman comic, we would be getting narrated uh, by Superman. Therefore, we would get his inner monologue. Same thing for Wonder Woman if it was a Wonder Woman comic. But because we're um, being narrated by Norman McKay, we don't have an insight into their minds. So them having this kind of conver- this deep conversation and all the deep conversations, whether they be arguments um, or uh, just regular, you know, hey, listen, this is what's on my mind kind of conversations. I think they really serve to to help you flesh out these characters um seeing like this level of like aspiration people have for superman but also a level of betrayal but also a level of you know they hold them up they hold them up to a certain degree but also he better not ever fail them like it's such a weird twisted um symbol that he has to be that i think that he understands um and the level of importance that that character has is expressed thoroughly throughout this entire story about how he is the one that will turn the tide. I don't think, I don't think Superman himself wants or even understands the kind of uh, power that he has. Not, not like, not like he is. I think even Wonder Woman tells him at some point, you know, you're a world leader. And the rest of us are tired of waiting for you to adjust to being that. So, yeah. Again, that's uh, that's just Superman. That's just the way he is. He's not one to ask for power. Uh, he's just the one who is worthy of it. Well, that's the other thing, right? I think once you start to actualize and realize and and start to really get down to the nitty gritty of it all. Um, it you know he he doesn't get there he doesn't come to the same conclusions that Wonder Woman does I, I believe because if he did then you'd get more of that Superman that just shows up to the United Nations and is like this is what's gonna happen you know like once he gets to a point where he realizes that he is probably stronger or the strongest or the person that because he's the strongest has the responsibility to push the Earth you've seen Miracle Man right. To push the earth 
because you're the you're the best of us. You have the responsibility to evolve us, kind of situation. Um, and there's this yeah. weird narrative in the throughout this story where it's like we're supposed to have the freedom to mess up. Like free freedom is not freedom is not freedom from messing up. If that makes any sense, like Superman allows us to mess up and then hope that we get better. That's the reason why he doesn't kill because once you kill, you completely eliminate the possibility for redemption. Uh, Batman, although he doesn't really believe in redemption all that much, at least believes in the the legal system. So he doesn't kill, so he can put you into the system that he believes will redeem you, you know, as it's intended, as it's supposed to, um, and stuff. And I think those hard and fast rules um, have to be reiterated to a generation that may not necessarily understand why... um, why people don't just go full Punisher or full Wolverine or, you know, uh, a host of these other characters that just go out and kill Willy Nelly. But I mean, you're absolutely right. You're, uh, I, although maybe I don't know that Bruce so much 100% trusts the legal system. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you know what? Next... I, think, I think he trusts Gordon, right? Like, at the, at the very least, he trusts GCPD. In a way, or else he wouldn't even. He trusts Gordon. He trusts Gordon. Yeah. And uh, maybe Renee. Mm, I don't think how's, so. How's he in Bullock? Is that still contentious? Well, I don't know that the that uh, the Harvey Bullock that people remember from uh, the animated series or even the more recent Gotham. I don't think that that dynamic exists in the comics today. Mm. I don't remember the last time I've read Harvey Bullock in that role. Huh. I'm uh, trying to think back. Uh, I'm thinking Tom King, uh, Scott Snyder, Grant Morrison. Uh, and that's like the last 10 to 13 years of Batman oh, wow. comics. And yeah. I can't remember. Uh, but like, Harvey still being in that role. <laughs> speaking speaking of roles, like we were I'm talking sh- about, we were talking about Superman, you know, being an alien, the best of us, and all this other kind of stuff. And then Batman, obviously human, you know. Um, there's a there's talk later on about how the true person that walks between both worlds is Billy Batson. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he gets to walk between both the human and godly worlds? I mean, he literally does. Yes, in, yes. In, <laughs> in the most that, literal sense, right? <laughs> he, he, you know, he um, <clears throat> in that he actually had he actually has been to the other side, and uh, you know, the rock of eternity is in another plane of existence, and all that stuff. But um, there's also the fact that he is both a human and, for all intents and purposes, a god at the same time. So yeah, I definitely believe that. Though, um, I kind of wanted to talk about that next scene on the Watchtower, I guess we're going to call it, or the Emerald Castle, the Emerald City. Right. Where we were finding uh, (laughs) that things have gone real bad at the Hulak. Yes, things have gone afoot. And so, um, everyone everyone knows about this Gulag situation. Luther knows about it, Superman knows about it. 
Batman knows about it. Superman goes to send um well well sorry. Uh Bruce, Bruce Wayne stops Batson from calling upon Shazam. Like trying to figure out trying to let him know what's going on with everything. Um that Luther is basically tricking him. Um and but then he's like smashes into like a whole case of worms. Am I remembering uh, this right? I think it does smash <laughs> all over him. Yeah, he's like, oh my god, worms, and then he like runs away. He like says Shazam, and then he disappears. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. my memory yeah. of how things how, how things happened. Bruce kind of played his hand. I guess the whole point of him doing this was to get Billy back, wasn't it? And they yes. got a fake. Yeah, I think he was always um, hip to the fact that Luther had an ace up his sleeve. And needed John Jones to confirm. That's what we find out was that John was supposed to use his telepathic powers to figure out what was going on with Billy, and uh, thus you know free him. But they weren't able to. Um, uh, so Wonder Woman's plan here, if I'm not mistaken, is like basically to beat down the prisoners, right? Like, <laughs> like uh, I don't know that she wanted to beat them down as much as kill them. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, like beat yeah. down the the, res- the the rebellion. Like, eliminate the rebellion, if you will. Oh yeah, she um, wanted to take a quote unquote decisive and final action. Right. Um, and she, we're we're led to believe that the main reason why she believes this is because her past actions have not been viewed as decisive enough, and uh, because she had been viewed to have been given passive actions uh, in the past that she has failed mankind and thus um, is exiled from Themyscira, which is kind of harsh. It's like, come on. I I don't know. But um, I totally dig her gold eagle armor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love that. I really want to see more armored Wonder Woman in live action. Like, you see some of the cool armors she wears, like, in Flashpoint. Um, with that weird uh, quasi Atlantean crown, um, I like I like that stuff. If she's royalty, man, I want to see some of that weird Themyscirian armor. Show me that stuff. For sure, absolutely. Uh, um, Luther tries to escape, but he's uh, uh, confronted by an army of activated Bat Knights, uh, and so um, Batman is like, well, Wonder Woman goes to go uh, deal with the rioters she has like a sword that can even hurt Superman and Superman's like I don't like any of this he basically tells her that like, I, I, like I don't this all makes me uncomfortable for real she's like, he's like everything about this makes me uncomfortable like all these things that we're that's going on here and um, he's like I don't know what to do I don't want to hurt anybody she's like you know what man you, you and honestly like at this point I was even a little bit frustrated as well because he seems to like, I mean, he you do need to think, right? You do need to sit there and strategize. Yeah, but, but I, at the same time, it's like, dude, we've been doing this your way, and what do we do now? <laughs> what yeah. do you mean you don't and, know? Yeah, we, like, you built this thing, like you built this whole <laughs> this whole thing, and somebody was like, it's a powder keg. Somebody was like, this, you really shouldn't hold that many powerful people in one place, you know. Um, and he was just, he just thought he had it all figured out. And then when push comes to shove, he could not like kind of stand up. And so, um, Wonder Woman is like, well, screw it. Uh, I'm going to go. And he gives her a kiss. 
Oh, sorry, she gives him a kiss, and she balances. Um, and then Superman goes straight to the Batcave. Like, he, he literally goes, like, it looks like he goes through the Earth. And then from the Earth, like, from digging in through the center of the Earth, comes up through the other side, out of the Batcave. Which, I, that's some precision. But, yeah, he definitely, he, he definitely wants to talk to Bruce. Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he goes to go talk to old, uh, Batman there, I guess, again, to try to, this is the other conversation to kind of rally him to his side, right? Yeah, they kind of, he's just like, come on, dude, like, uh, I don't have time for all the, for the regular back and forth we go through, you know, let's just get the, let's just get out there and and let's try to deal with this because Wonder Woman just gave me this crazy ass kiss and I'm confused. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, She's going to kill these people. (laughs) He's like, come on, you idiot. Yes. You really tell me to see that coming? No, no, (laughs) he totally, yeah, he totally said that. He totally called him out on that. And he's like, you know, I can't really do much, but I can tell you that um, they got Billy Batson. I know the Gulag looks like the Hall of Doom. Oh, I told you. I was like, wow, that's really, really cool. I mean, in my head, canon, it would. That's basically he just basically like repurposed it. I don't want to think that he made it from scratch and it just ended up resembling the thing that he, you know, his his old. uh, I don't think. I don't know that they would. Know about the the Hall of Doom at that time. That's true. Anybody, uh, uh anybody switch sides in the, in the last ten years? That I need to know about. That could be spilling some, uh, <laughs> some at least some blueprints or something. Um, but yeah, Tev definitely looked like um the Hall of Doom, and we get another uh, another image that is also very popular from this story, which is Superman shows up. Uh, to the Gulag in hopes of getting there before Captain Marvel gets there, but it's too late. Captain Marvel is standing there and with uh, lightning striking right behind him in a very, very beautiful shot. I think Superman's like on, on his knees, on a knee or something. Uh, I, I wanna, I'm, I'm looking for the shot right now because I think I don't know what you're talking about, but I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, it's he he's kind of like taking it back. He's falling down onto one knee with an arm kind of blocking himself from the light, and Shazam's just got this creepy smile on his face. And at this time, and you know, you can forgive me for being a neophyte when I first read it, but I was like, "Damn, Captain Marvel! Like that's Captain Marvel! Like that!" Because at the time, the 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 narrative to me felt more narrative. I felt more um. Sorry, felt more novelty than utility. I wasn't thinking of what the character could do more so than isn't it wacky that it's a kid and he gets this, he gets to say Shazam and then he's not a kid anymore? You know? Like I wasn't thinking about it like Oh, and then he and then he uses lightning to viciously strike Superman down. Like I never thought about the scope of where where he could go. I only thought about like, isn't it wacky? That that's a little kid in there. Okay, so here's why I kind of knew what I was dealing with. There's an episode of Justice League Unlimited where Shazam and Superman kind of fight through um, one of Lex's like little fake underground cities, and Superman was wrong at the time. But my friend at the time, I'm like, 
what the heck? This guy's so strong. How is he, like, fighting Superman? Like, And he's like, bro, one of Superman's weaknesses is magic. Shazam is straight up magic. So, like, he's, Superman's going to have a real hard time. So, as then, I've looked at it with, like, those eyes. Like, Superman versus Shazam uh, is a wild fight. Superman man, his, one of his weaknesses is magic. It's like a lesser-known weakness. Everyone knows kryptonite. Nobody remembers the magic. Superman, yeah. don't, Superman can't, can't mess with magic. <laughs> and they, they, they did a good job setting that up when he was touching Wonder Woman's sword. You know, they, they let him know, like, oh, you, you are susceptible to these things. Yeah. It's not like you don't have a weakness. Oh, as a matter of fact, I think it's explicitly stated that he's almost built a tolerance to kryptonite. Am I wrong? Oh, did they say that? I hadn't Lex, thought that. Lex said something about, yeah, you like... You be right. Lex was like, oh, no, he's, like, worse than before. Like, he's damn near impenetrable. Um, he's gotten even a stronger... Because they're asking him, like, why Why don't you... Uh, somebody asks, why don't you drop... Why don't you just drop a, a, a kryptonite bomb on him? You know, if you want to just end all this. I think it was Ali. Ali's like, why don't you just drop a kryptonite bomb on him? And he's like, yeah, that used to work back in the day. He's grown much, much bigger tolerance for this. So, uh, um, Captain Marvel is literally his only ace in the hole. It's literally his only um, deterrent for the Superman problem. And so things end, that book ends kind of, you know, like the prophecy's been fulfilled. Like the, the man of magic is here. The man who brings the thunder has arrived. Superman is too late. Seemingly all is lost by, by the end of book three. But uh, let's wrap up this book four because um, they're watching Armageddon take place and the Justice League is locked in battle. With all those people in the gulag. And um, they're waging war. And Superman is battling Captain Marvel. Who's been brainwashed by Lex Luthor. Um, and uh, McKay pleads with the Spectre to make it stop. But the Spectre said he can't take action yet. Because there has to be a reckoning. Um, meanwhile at the United Nations. And this this so reminded me of um, Avengers. So it's like. Oh hey, with the portals? No, Avengers, the first Avengers of like, hey, oh, okay. there's a big ass battle going on and I don't think any of us can go in and try to stop it. So how do you guys feel about just bombing it? Anyone, anyone, anyone down with just, just bombing it, just bombing the shit out of it. Like in that first Avengers, the shield was ready to just nuke Manhattan. It was it was it was a lost cause. <laughs> they were gonna just nuke the whole thing. That always seems to be a quick answer for the government. And in this situation, it's the same. Um, they have Blackhawks ready to uh, destroy um, <laughs> the superheroes. Were you surprised by mankind's response to this whole gulag situation? Oh, no. I've been seeing mankind respond like this in different media for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it, it, it's it's what I've come to expect of people. Even before like Avengers, I think the first time I had seen it might have been like God, the, the really bad Godzilla movie, the American one. Oh yeah, it's like let's nuke the whole city. <laughs> but um, Why, that's yeah. always how is that such an easy answer? Like, that's such an easy go to. I would just it's throw the whole thing up. It's what you come to expect from uh, these very violent, hungry humans. Hungry, hungry humans. <laughs> it's my favorite game. So, uh, yeah, man, we got these Blackhawks 
ready to bomb uh, everybody. Uh, Bat, uh, Von Bach, who we hadn't mentioned before, um, gets stabbed through the heart, basically, by Wonder Woman. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I think I missed that. that. Yeah, he was about to crush the tar. He was doing one of his, like, no one can stop Von Bach. Uh, sort of situations. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He catches. It. It, it was like a weird uh, other language. Do worst, we ones, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And could, and I don't think that's Atara. I think that's like his. Would it be his grandson? Von Box grandson? Oh no 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 no! Um, magic dude, he was gonna kill. Oh oh! You think that's the older Zataro? The like the third generation? Yeah, because it'd be Zatanna's son. Yes. So Zatara's grandson. Yes, that Jeez. sounds right. But yeah, ends up getting stabbed, um, and then Batman gets on her. Batman gets on Wonder Woman's case, and Wonder Woman gives her, her him the same shit that he gave. I'm oh, sorry, gives him the same shit that she gave Clark, which is like you just like G gay gay like. But no, honestly, gave him the same thing that he gave Clark, right? Like, oh, so all of a sudden you come out of your cave and everyone's supposed to fucking kneel? And I was like, damn, Wonder Woman, like, you really. I, 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 it was believable. Like, you, you've, you're, you've thought about this. You've sat about this and you've thought about this. You've considered it. You've considered what other people might think and you considered what opinions you are going to consider. And Superman and Batman are not those opinions. You could care less, because in your mind, those guys checked out a long time ago, and that's a you rarely see a story where Wonder Woman jumps at like jumps in front or ahead of the of those two guys. So I thought that was a, a particular choice here that I I really liked seeing her stand in front and say a decision needs to be made like yeah all oh, playing around like stop playing around. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Um. But yeah, while they're up in the sky, and she, I think she honestly wanted to kill him in the sky, they see the planes coming to uh, bomb them, and Batman asks Wonder Woman, uh, you know, what's her honor going to cost her? And they are able to take down um, most of the planes, but one of them accidentally, dro- well, not accidentally, I'm pretty sure it on purpose drops his payload. I, I like that the narration was like, Superman could hear the pilot ask God for forgiveness when he dropped the bomb. Like, that's how Superman knew that this bomb was coming into orbit or whatever. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, that's so, that's so dark. <laughs> like, so dark and deep. It's like, God, help me. Um, but yeah, back on Earth, Captain Marvel. Yeah, oh, let's talk about that, man. How do you feel about. Captain Marvel's uh, strategy of death by lightning. I mean, it was atonement, but also uh, freedom from yeah. what he had been basically tied down to for however long. What, 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 10 years? Yeah, 10 years. 10 years? Poor Billy didn't even get to have a life. So this was salvation for the kid. Watching him, um, watching him strike Superman over and over and over and over with that lightning bolt, 
Um, I don't know why I didn't understand what was going on the first time I read it, honestly. I just thought they were fighting. But I didn't realize what he was doing was he was calling upon the lightning and then running out of the way so that the lightning would strike Superman. And then, I still think that, that, uh, that image of Superman uh, like on his knees just like screaming at the sky yeah it's so haunting and then the very next page he's uh yeah, surrounded by the bones of uh, all the uh, well, what even, call the even well even right before then when you see that like the the shot of his bloodshot eye when when yeah. Billy's, when yeah. Billy's you know doing his jam and he's uh hitting him over and over and over again with the lightning bolts it it literally it was like any superhero film where this, you're just seeing the the hero of the film just take a beating. Like Superman is just taking a magical beat down. And um, ultimately, the only thing that he can do at the very last minute is grab onto Captain Marvel as he says Shazam, reverting him back to Billy Batson. And then he grabs his mouth so he can't say Shazam and explains to him the whole situation. I'm like, listen... You've been kind of screwed for the last 10 years. They've had you, you know, uh, captive, but you are literally stand between man and Superman. Uh, you walk between mortal and immortal. You get to make the choice now. This bomb is coming down and you get to, you know, decide how, you know, what happens next. And so without even speaking, Shazam goes up, intercepts the bomb. Superman tries to get there first, but he freaking uh, outraces him. And he uses his lightning bolt to ignite the bomb in the air. But um, there are a lot of casualties, as you say. When the smoke clears, all you see is Superman in a puff of smoke, basically screaming no. And he thinks he's the only survivor. And it's almost played that way. I'm almost thinking they even say it, right? They're like, and the last survivor or something like that. But then you realize that um, Green Lantern had a bunch of people in like one of those protective green bubbles or whatever. Um, and that Shazam has made the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, and that was incredibly touching. Like you said, atonement, um, redemption for that character. Yeah, also, Billy kind of neglected to realize that Clark probably could have survived that explosion yeah. if he had been the one to take the bomb into space rather than... Uh, Maybe it was maybe it was one of those like I I don't want to be used anymore ever kind of yeah, deals. Yeah, that's, that's what I was that's what I was saying. That's definitely yeah. what it was because uh, Clark could have fucking survived that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the magic that he that he wasn't good with. It's the magic that yeah yeah the nuclear bomb would have been fine with he, not a problem. <laughs> nuclear bomb every once every Tuesday he got that yeah you know, <laughs> every, every three weeks deal with that uh, keep it away um but uh yeah you find out that there's there you know he's not the last one standing I actually thought even in rereading this I was like wait a minute everyone died I don't remember everyone dying at the end but yeah everyone's still around and we get this like touching story that Magog went and um. Uh, went and was able to retrieve the cape of Captain Marvel's. Um, and so, oh, no, that's exactly what happened. So 
Superman, the dust clears, and Superman looks around, and he doesn't see anybody else. He only sees the skeletons of those not saved by Green Lantern. In his anger, he goes to the United Nations to go kill everybody. <laughs> That's what happens. He goes over there to go kill everybody, and um, Norman McKay talks him down. Norman McKay is like, well, first he's like, you're not the only survivor. There were other people that survived. Uh, so don't get mad, bro. And also, um, you know, the whole like sanctity of life, like you were the first and, you know, you have such such bigger powers, but you shouldn't. I think the main line is like once once the super part became more important than the man, that's when you started to fail. Like your true power is <laughs> your humanity. Him. And stuff. I, I just, I just love that the Spectre, uh, Norman's like, do something. Somebody's got to do something. And the Spectre's like, listen, dude. <laughs> he finally let free a wrath that would cower Satan himself. No, that's, how can any man possibly calm the fury? <laughs> that's why I like. That's why I like the part where he's like, do something, do something. He's like, oh no, there's only one thing left to do: judge. So pick one. <laughs> No, 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 you want me to do something, right? Go ahead, pick one. Pick pick, pick who you want me to kill. Somebody got to die. Pick one. Oh, well, I, I couldn't, and I just couldn't. And he's like, yeah, exactly. So sit back, and we're going to watch this Armageddon come. All right? <laughs> Seriously. Um, I, you know, Superman must have been going crazy, because he's like, what the hell is this Norman McKay guy doing again? Again, randomly showing up, and again, passing me some random bits of wisdom. But um, it works, you know. Superman sees the error of his ways, and uh, um, decides that he needs to rule um, as part of society, not above society. And so he, as a gesture of goodwill and good faith towards mankind, he goes to the United Nations and decides to establish uh, a nation of super superhumans, uh, whose flag will be um, Shazam's cape. Um, that Magog was able to save from the wreckage, kind of um, redeeming that character in a lot of people's eyes uh, because he saw, you know, the true value of a hero, which is important. Um, so, yeah, so they become basically a nation. And so at the end of this, of the, I mean, at the conclusion, you see that Batman has turned Wayne Manor into a hospital and, uh, you know, you have like, like, Lex Luthor and Catwoman as like his workers and stuff. Did and they give did they give Dick's daughter a name in this book? Yes. Isn't it Huntress or something? Isn't it another Nightshade? Dick, Dick's daughter, it might be Nightshade. I can imagine something like that. I just know um I don't remember seeing Corey too much. I had it here. I felt like I had it here somewhere. Corey No, where's Superman's team? No, I got the Ray. Adam Blake was Captain Comet, but uh, I like seeing um I like seeing Bruce walking around the hospital in like a white and red Batman T-shirt. Yeah, you're not used to seeing him <laughs> in, in white. What did you think of the exoskeleton? I guess you know it's it's kind of out there, like it's kind of the exoskeleton is uh, necessary for a person who fought amongst gods. For decades, I could, I, I I completely understand. Why does it look like it's built out of tripod material, though? <laughs> Why does it look like a series of tripods? So his camera <laughs> tripods apart and built himself a spine. 
Because <laughs> more so than an exoskeleton, it seems like a collar with like arm arm things. Like I didn't really see a lot of the other stuff. A lot of the other parts of it, but um I feel like it's support it's definitely some type of spine spinal support. Yeah, right. It's spinal. That's what happens. Uh <laughs> um Wonder Woman gets uh restored to her rightful place as uh as a princess of Paradise Island. Um and Superman starts to work on restoring Kansas into a productive and fertile land for farming. And uh, talking he- about fertile. Oh yes, we'll get there. Um what do you think about um the sweet moment where they, Diana gives Bruce his glasses? Or oh, sorry, Clark his glasses. Oh yeah, that was fun. That was that was uh that was very that was great. He was spent the whole book saying how he wasn't Clark and, and she's like, Hey, um you're Clark now, kiss me. <laughs> you're Clark, kiss me. <laughs> um <laughs> It's just something about Superman, man. All of that like stuff, I feel like wouldn't work elsewhere. But he's such a good-natured and good-hearted character that every time they do go for the feels, it works for me. Like every time they go down the nostalgia lane, it works for me. And that's why I can't help but think that that character is timeless, regardless of why people want want to say that you know it might not be as relatable as others. I honestly think that uh, there's still a lot to learn from that character. Um, but yeah, let's get to the one year later. Um, Superman and Wonder Woman meet Batman one year. in their uh, civilian identities at the pla- at planet Krypton, where they share news with each other about what's been going on in their past lives. However, the real reason for this meeting is that Diana and Clark wanted to share with Bruce that Diana is pregnant with Clark's child. What catches Bruce off guard, though, is that Diana wants him to be the godparent, despite Bruce's record as a parent with his former wards. That's kind of messed up. Both Clark and I love the uh, looking around planet Krypton. Yes, just uh, at uh, the things in the background rather than what's actually going on. Just to see some of the uh, employees reading like classic DC books or or all the random or like this is where Batman got his shirt. I can see that now. Yes, (laughs) or the random or the random um like weird menu items and stuff. And I love that for the most part, you know, um, Clark doesn't really dig it. It's, uh, <laughs> um, and, and Batman definitely doesn't dig it. And it seems their, their portrayals, like the way that the characters are portrayed to respond to this kind of restaurant is like, how did it ever get to this point? But canonically in 2019, there is a bat burger, you know. So these things are moving. It's gonna get to that direction, you know. We we already got a Batman themed restaurant in universe. So Planet Krypton is not far, which I thought was pretty interesting because I was like, I oh, huh. Krypton in real life. Yeah. Oh, I would love to go to a Planet Krypton in real life. What about Wonder Woman, who's like, <laughs> oh, I'm totally used to this. Like, I'm so used to humans like treating us as gods. Like, this is what happens. Uh-huh. I was more interested in the fact that the Spectre and Norman hang out now. <laughs> oh, they're just boys. Yeah, they, they hang out. They're, they just chill when the world is not being uh, tested. The Spectre's like looking at the menu and he's like, that's a Spectre platter. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, Listen, bro, it's, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you know, they may not tell you when you go, but when you do the two for 20, it's a little bit smaller. 
you know, the portion's a little bit smaller, so I'm pretty <laughs> ask sure. Thanks for, uh, <laughs> for the judgment sauce. Yes, yes. <laughs> the extra God's wrath. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, um, Bruce and Clark make their peace. Uh, talking about the lessons that, about lessons they're trying to teach their ch- children, lessons about morality and mortality. Um, and they want Bruce to be able to make, help them raise that child in that future. Um, and it's beautiful. And it, that's basically the ending of kingdom come. Um, I really, really liked it. I, was there anything that you forgot about that you were surprised in rereading? More just, like I said, um, background stuff, just kind of being able to, uh, just see the surround, like, like Alex Ross's art, uh, is, Usually, especially in works like uh, like The Kingdom Come or uh, Marvels or Earth X, whenever he gets to draw all these sprawling uh, pictures with these large backgrounds and he gets to hide these Easter eggs and I was just having fun just kind of combing over the book again and finding like the, <clears throat> the reused 50s art on the planet Krypton Cups or like – yeah. Just, just fun, fun, fun things like that. I'm always in it for the Easter eggs the second time around. I, I think I was just um completely shocked by just how chock full of DC characters this comic is. Um I I like it every at every turn and I love I, I it's it's I'm I'm struggling to come up with the words because I don't feel like this is the only DC comic story that does this. DC is so astronomically good at at rewarding those rewarding those that have stuck around and rewarding those like every decade matters every character you've ever um read about matters because the writers of today have read those characters as well and care about those characters as well and remember those stories the same way you do and if if a series was canceled or forgotten about or a character has fallen off or fallen by the wayside i love how they always find a way to reincorporate them in big stories like this I feel like we'd be remiss not to talk about the fact that Kingdom Come is finally sort of, uh, well, not being adapted, but we're kind of getting a live-action representation of uh, Kingdom Come Superman and a Batman, you know, uh, in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So, I don't... What? So uh, yeah, that that's actually the reason why we're covering this story at all. Um, not to say that we weren't going to get to it because hello, if we're gonna if we're literally the comp, the podcast talking about the latest and greatest to come to comic books and comic book media, Kingdom Come was coming. You know that's that's something just like Marvels is going to be coming. Um, but I think that what's more important. So like everyone went crazy. Brandon Ralph was, uh, you know, announced that he was going to play Kingdom Come Superman, and then we had heard about um, uh, Conroy, Kevin Conroy, voice of of Batman. And funny enough, me and you did the Batman the Animated Series episode of the Major Issues podcast, available uh, wherever podcasts are found. So go back and listen to that. But yeah, we were talking about Kevin Conroy being a quintessential version of Batman, and now he gets to play live action Batman. What I think is the biggest. Um, reveal or the biggest uh, thing that needs to be sat down discussed for a bit before we end up before we end this episode is the implication that 
the Christopher Reeves universe becomes the Kingdom Come universe. Like that's bananas, yeah, right? <laughs> like what happened? <laughs> like post, post, that's um, crazy. the post that's nuclear crazy. man. Fifteen years, twenty years post nuclear man, we get Magog in that same world. That's, like that's crazy, right? That's exactly what happens. They got the uh, and and I mean it hasn't been confirmed, but pretty much. We've seen the image of uh, Ryan and Rope Superman standing in front of that uh, Daily Planet cover that was ripped right out of Kingdom Come. Yeah, the, the Daily Planet being attacked, which means Lois Lane is dead. Yeah. So um, it's crazy to find out that Kingdom Come is actually the world of Christopher Reeves. <laughs> well, at least when it comes to live action. I'm more wondering if... Um, that means, like, is Kevin Conroy even going to be from the same universe? Are we being thrown for a loop? We still don't know. No, that, that's another. That's another thing I was actually going to bring up is that it would would that lead us to believe that we were going to live in a world like if that world would have continued if we kept the camera still on that world that Kevin Conroy would have have risen to face uh, Christopher Reeves uh, Superman at some certain point in time and they would become. Not only superheroes, but friends, and then fall out. Like, that's so interesting to me. Like, I don't know why, but it's so crazy to think that the most idealistic version that we can think of canonically of a live action Superman has become what is now the, a cautionary tale for, you know, taking things to the extreme. I think that's so interesting. I don't want to say that Kingdom Come is, is like some apocalyptic future. I mean, things went bad, but they did eventually go good. So I think at the point, at this point in his life, uh, Christopher Reeves Superman would be at peace with many things and just the very fatherly, wise leader Superman that you would want the Earth 2-esque Superman. And I think that was the real reason why we got this Superman in um, Crisis on Infinite Earth is because we needed that character, that that, that older, wiser, uh, more experienced Superman. And I, I can't wait to get... I can't wait. I cannot wait to see that. Just the images. Just the images of Brandon Ruth as, as uh, Kingdom Come Superman have... Uh, have me excited. Um, is there anything in particular that you would mark out for or you'll be looking for um, that will that's a further connection to the Kingdom Come universe? Um, you know, unless we got like a Magog sighting, <laughs> but um, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I need too much more. I got the Superman. You can take him and put him anywhere. Now I'm happy. Oh yeah. And I'm guessing that we might be getting some. We might be getting some breadcrumbs, maybe to the Superman television show. Um, that's for sure. I mean, just the fact that the baby is born and Lois is there; those those work as breadcrumbs, kind of. And but, he's a father. Um, he's a father. Brandon Ralph Superman's a father. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, I forgot about that. Yep, totally. That a dad. kid. That. <laughs> Um, I wonder if the kid is even alive. <laughs> I mean, it would be co- it would be awesome if he could impart some words on Tyler Hawkland. Ho- 
Hoochland? Hoochland? <laughs> Hoochland. Hoochie mama. Uh, if, yeah, if you can impart some wisdom on that Superman, on, on the whole daddy thing, uh, it, it'd be absolutely but, awesome. Hey, that shit is hard. Give that baby back. I'm telling you now. <laughs> oh, my God. And who would have thought we would have got two Bruce Waynes in the last uh, year with um, Ian Glenn and now uh, Kevin Conroy? Two live-action TV Bruce Waynes. We're getting... Uh, Apparently, they haven't given up on the idea of Superman as a movie, but they're not committed to it, and that sucks. But at the same time, I'm happy because it's opened the door for the Superman TV show, which I've always wanted out of Arrow. So, out of the Arrowverse, not really Arrow. Arrow, Uh, I don't know what I expected. (laughs) We did that episode. You should go back and listen to that. (laughs) Yes, you should. Do Do you consider DC's current climate, whether it's comics or um? or movies in need of the same injection of hope as this comic, you know, I suggests? I don't know that the movie uh, situation will be as simple as injecting some hope into it. I feel like that is more, um, well, I mean, we had Shazam, that came the Aquaman movie. They're definitely more optimistic films nowadays when it comes to DC. Joker made a billion bucks though, and Joker was dark. Joker was grim. Joker was something else. Oh, so the people, I'm the people, here, the people at home never got your uh, Joker review. What do you think? Joker was awesome. Joker, I loved it. And 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 I know everyone's like, but that wasn't like the Joker Joker. And I'm like, but this wasn't like the Joker Joker's Earth. Like, this wasn't the same place that we've been watching all this time. So I was glad to get a new story that still kind of um, felt very much within the Joker's character. I mean, we're literally, uh, we're literally talking Elseworlds right now, right? Like, we're literally talking yeah, it was about, an story, about, that's for sure. about an other iteration. And But the thing is, the reason why these Elseworlds work, um, whether it be the Joker film or um, this story here is it only works when people are deathly um, uh, close to the to the actual characters' motivations and 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 where they would go oh, to those things. You know, it, it's it takes a level of severe. It's almost like parody. You know how they say like a true good parody has a fundamental understanding of what it's trying to make fun of. It's like Elseworlds, yeah, that, you have to understand these characters to then make a variation on them. And that's what Joker did, I felt like, in my eyes. That's, that's absolutely, that's, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, I feel like a lot of the general casual public had, they don't know what Elseworlds is. They don't really understand the concept of uh, the comic DC Comics multiverse, but the knowing that this was going to be a movie where Joker existed when Batman was still a child kind of prepared them for the idea that, okay, this is not the world that we're used to. So even they, without knowing, went into it, accepting it as an Elseworlds tale, as something completely removed from canon. It made it really easy for them to swallow, even though there was a lot of changes to the Joker's mythos. Yes. Um, I feel like that. I, I think I mentioned before, like that was the reason it was so easy for me to swallow Batman v Superman was because whenever I see things like this, they always, for me, are uh, Elseworld tales. Like they they always are. So I'm just like this. This is just another uh, eventuality, another in another universe. 
Um, so to play, to play so, into that, I have a question, just out of curiosity. Um, so that would make who your definitive version of the characters? Is it the comic? Is it a particular the comic? Are, the comics are always going to be the base. Like, in the way my mind is structured, the comics are the foundation. Everything else spawns... Is adaptation. Everything else is... It's, yeah. Everything else is an adaptation. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, so, as far as comics go, that that that... And I know there's so much, there's so much to pull from. It's like, man, so what exactly, which version exactly? And that is why the comics are my version of the character, because I can pick and fucking choose and pick whichever version of the character I want. I've got all this knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's perfect. (laughs) You know, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I think it just, it just, like the variety uh, just allows for so many different people to relate for these characters in so many different ways, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. It was hard for me to, uh, well, like I've enjoyed many, many Superman stories. It was always hard for me to relate to him. And then he became a dad. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like some of my favorite Superman stuff ever. I mean, and to even before then, he became a murderer. And people were down with that as well, <laughs> right? Because uh, Injustice comes yeah, out, yeah. I think people and people were, were like, really "Wow!" Into the idea, they were really into the idea of like dictator Superman. Like, what would happen if he just decided, you know, he wants to control the world because they're all fucking stupid? And then that's exactly how he said it to himself. That's exactly how he said it to himself. These people are fucking stupid. That's funny. <laughs> but um yeah man i i'm so i'm but, totally yeah. for elseworlds i'm totally for these other iterations this is this is why they exist and um actually i guess we should also mention kingdom come hasn't been an elseworlds book for about 12 years now it's just been part of the dc multiverse um like I said, there was that the Jeff Johns book where they made it Earth Twenty Two, but I think as recently as Grant Morrison's Multiversity, where it kind of uh, gave us that map of the multiverse, e- Kingdom Come is still within DC's um, DC's current multiverse, so it's a thing that exists, and I wouldn't be surprised if sometime before or like after Crisis, we start getting. Uh, appearances in the comics. Uh, it ah, still is BC, Earth 20. BC and AC before Crisis and after Crisis, right? Isn't that what that's for? Yeah. <laughs> Pre-Crisis and post-Crisis. <laughs> I get you. Is the, uh, before the designations. They uh, um, <laughs> yes, the designation. No, that's certainly... Um, it's, isn't, it's Earth-22, I think. Earth-22, it absolutely is. It still is. Earth-22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... They've op- they always found a way. It the story has a soft spot in a lot of people's hearts, so I'm glad that um they are going to that well. Again, we say it all the time when it whenever it comes up, but I'm incredibly proud of Arrowverse and how far that's gone gone so that it can tackle things like this, um stories that need the weight of you fundamentally understanding the character in that universe and. Uh, movies don't have the time, honestly, in two and a half hours to do all that homework. Um, so I'm so glad that they get to play with the toys of Crisis 
and um, Kingdom Come. And even though we're obviously not going to get the full scope of either story, um, the flashes of recognition are going to be worth it for me. Uh, I, I can't wait. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm excited. I'm super excited. I'm, I've just had all I can say. I mean, it's either going to be the best thing I've ever seen or the biggest disappointment I've ever experienced. So bring it on. That's a gamble I'm willing to I'm, I'm willing to do right there, especially with the Arrowverse guys. They they don't seem to let me down. I seem to keep being impressed by uh, their level of dedication to the craft. Um, and if you care about guys dedicating themselves to the craft, keep listening to episodes of the Major Issues podcast that come out every single Wednesday um, as part of Comic Book Click. Uh, we're recovering the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. And you can find us wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app. We're available on iTunes. We're available on YouTube. We're available on Spotify. Literally wherever podcasts are found. If you have an iPhone, you already have a podcast app pre-installed. Those sneaky bastards already put those things on your phone. So all you have to do is look for the podcast app on your phone. Search Major Issues Podcast. If you don't have an iPhone, go to Google Major Issues Podcast and we'll be the first ones to pop right up. Um, we are going to be diving deep next week into Crisis on Infinite Earths and kind of celebrating our second annual, which is amazing two big things two really really big things going on at the same time and i can't wait so if you guys have heard crisis on infinite earths if you guys have any predictions uh going into the uh actual crisis on infinite earths adaptation on cw reach out to us let us know what you guys think and we'll be able to read your opinions here live on air and discuss them um, and you could do that by going to facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or using the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Uh, we're also at Major Issues CBC on Twitter and comic book click at gmail.com to send all your feedback. All these links are in the show notes, including our shop link at uh, tpublic.com, where you could buy exclusive merchandise uh, designed by us here at comic book click. Uh, so that, that's all the things you guys need to to be uh, ahead of the game and join us here. I'm telling you, I've been to the future. Uh, it wasn't as bleak as Kingdom Come, but I can't tell you too much about it because then it won't come true. But in that future, we did become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books, comic book media. And uh, so you're going to have to jump on this bandwagon before it gets full. Um, but yeah, uh, if you can do mm-hmm. us a favor, rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters. Find out what you guys like, what you don't, and how to improve. Uh, we want to do the best for you. And if you think we, we've, we're the best thing, we're the bee's knees, cat's pajamas, then go ahead and rate us five stars on iTunes. Uh, if you do, other listeners can find us quicker, which means we grow faster, which means we get to that future that we were talking about a lot faster. And all of you guys get to, uh, you know get to hang out bathe in the sunlight with comic book click as we reach for the stars but my name is george serrano aka the don this is jonathan escudero aka yogi and this has been our kingdom come recap and review and remember whether or not you think a little bit of the ultra violence is the only way to get things done whether you've been exiled broken to the point of an exoskeleton brainwashed by uh, mind-controlling worms or feel like you need to make the ultimate sacrifice just by uttering the words Shazam. Remember that hope is necessary. Remember that you are the click. And most importantly, remember that you, yes, you are worthy. 